are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to turn uh, to the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew, and we're going to read. And I want to show you this morning... A wonderful thing I never noticed before in this particular passage of Scripture. And I've studied it and read it as you have for a good many years. But the Lord showed me this wonderful new truth I think will be a blessing to you. Now let's start reading this morning uh, with verse 10. Now last Sunday, you remember, in Matthew 28, we had studied about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had arisen from the grave. And he is giving directions to those who met him at the tomb, what to say, and so forth. In verse 10, he said, Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city, and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night, and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came. Now, I want you to notice verse 18, 19, and 20. The last three verses of the book of Matthew, they are extremely important. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now here we have, we have what is commonly spoken of as the Great Commission, that is, the marching orders of Jesus to the church. What's the church of Jesus supposed to do? Uh, what, is our, what is our responsibility? What is the job God has given us to do until the Savior comes again? You see, between the two comings of Jesus, that is, his first coming as a lamb to die, and his second coming as our king to reign, what is the responsibility of the church? What are we supposed to do? Now, it's unthinkable to me that the Lord would leave us in the dark. And not tell us just exactly what he wants us to do. And God has made it very plain in his word. I do not have the time to go into detail in this morning. But if we did have time, you'd notice the first five books of the New Testament. All give the Great Commission. And all give it in a little different phraseology. And all give a different promise. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. All give the Great Commission. And every time it's given, there's a different promise given with it. Now, in the book of Matthew, the promise is, 
If you go, Jesus said, notice carefully, if you go, he said, lo, I am with you always. I'm with you as you go to tell the story, to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, here's the thing that was a blessing to me studying this scripture this week. The thought came to me a number of times. Now, here it is, the last Sunday before Christmas Day, when everybody, everybody, saved and lost, religious and irreligious, everybody is thinking at Christmas time, what is this all about? Is there more to it than a Christmas tree and a few lights and some tinsel and giving of gifts and commercialism and all? Is there more to it than that? And folks are thinking about it all over the world. All over the world. What is there to it? And everybody knows that Christmas has to do with the coming of Jesus into the world to be our Savior. Now, I was thinking this week, I'd much rather speak on some Christmas theme this morning than on the Great Commission. And then I think the Lord showed me this beautiful thing. Jesus, the last word in the book, Lo, I am with you always even on the end of the age. I begin to read the first chapter again. has to do with his coming, his birth, his virgin birth. And I was thrilled when I read, Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So when he came the first time, it's God with us. His last orders were, I'm with you. So chapter 1 of the book of Matthew, Jesus comes to be with us. Chapter The last chapter of the book, same thing. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now I'm glad for that. You know, this church has started more than 22 years ago, after we'd been... Uh, Operating a few weeks. I don't like that word operating. We'd been meeting and preaching and fellowshipping. But after we'd been in existence a few weeks, then we began to decide what we're going to name this church. And, uh, I didn't name it. We said we'll have a, we'll have a vote of the church. Want everybody that has a name to suggest whatever you'd like to name this Baptist church. And so a number of names were turned in. Some of them, I hoped and prayed, would not be the, the final one. But there were two or three that several people suggested. Some, someone suggested call it the Calvary Baptist Church. Someone uh, suggested call it Second Baptist Church. Maybe this is selfish in me, but I never did like to be second in anything. I'd just rather be first or be last, but second, never did like that. And then there were many who said, Let's call this church Emmanuel Baptist Church, because that means God with us. So we had a vote more than 22 years ago, and the people of this church voted to call this Baptist Church Emmanuel Baptist Church, and I have been so thrilled. God with us, and how God has been with us during these 22 years. Now then, in the first chapter of the book of Matthew, I want us to notice the first coming of Jesus into the world. 
when he came as a babe born in Bethlehem's manger. Now that has to do with the virgin birth, the virgin birth. You know, there's some folks that deny the virgin birth. It is not because the Bible does not teach it firmly and plainly. It's because people will not believe it. I've had folks say to me now, do you mean, Brother Tom, that Jesus was born without an earthly father? That's just exactly what the Bible teaches. We read now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his Mary, mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found a child of the Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says. Now, you say that's a miracle. Sure, it's a miracle. I've had many people say to me, Preacher, do you believe in miracles? Why, certainly I believe in miracles. This is a miracle. You know, there are four ways the Bible teaches, four different ways people have come into this world. That was the way Adam came. Only one person ever got here the way Adam did. The Bible says that God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. He became a living soul. Adam came as the result of the direct creation of God. That's one way. Second way, there's the way Eve came. No one else has ever come into the world the way Eve came. Eve came when God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, took out of his side a rib, and from that rib made woman. And there's the institution of marriage in the Bible. That's no one else ever came the way Eve came. There is a third way that people have come into the world. And that's the way you and I came. And the way all the rest of humanity came. But there's a fourth way. And the fourth way is the way Jesus came, born of, a, of the Holy Mary, with the Holy Ghost as his father. And Jesus had no earthly father. If Jesus had had an earthly father, he'd had human blood in him like you have and I have. He would not have been a perfect man and could have never been the Savior. So Jesus was born of a virgin. Thank God for that. I do not know of any truth in the Bible that's been attacked any more than the virgin birth. You know, the philosophy in the world today is to do two things. They go together. But they're two different things that religion, that is godless religion, and the devil and religious lost people are trying to do they're trying to lift up man, lift him way up to where he's so good that he doesn't even need a Savior. That's number one. And they're trying to bring down Jesus. They're trying to humanize Jesus and deify man to where Jesus and all other people are just alike. Now, that's the work of the devil. In the first place, you can't deify man. Man, this Bible says, has sinned against God. Listen. I don't care who you are this morning. The Word of God says all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's every man and woman under the sound of my voice has sinned and come short of God's glory. 
How many sins do you think you'd have to commit to send you to hell? You don't have to commit any, just what you are. You're born in sin, conceived in iniquity. You're not lost because of what you do. You're lost because of what you are. Sinners! And everybody in this world has sinned, except Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect person that ever walked across the face of this earth. Thank God he's a perfect Savior. And Jesus was virgin born, conceived of the Holy Ghost. Now when he was, a prophecy was fulfilled which said, Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now I want you to notice God with us in four ways, quickly. First of all, God with us as a man. Now Jesus had a human body. I'm glad for that. You know, I'm glad that Jesus knew what it was to live in the human body. Jesus knew what it was to be tired. You read where he lay down on the deck of a ship and lay his head upon a pillow and went to sleep. And a storm arose and the disciples came and awoke him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus knew what it was to be tired. Jesus knew what it was to be thirsty. He sat upon the curb of a well at noonday spoke to a woman about her soul and led her to a saving knowledge of himself. Jesus knew what it was to be hungry. He saw a fig tree and sought for fruit on it to eat his breakfast one morning, the Bible tells us. Jesus knows all human emotions. Jesus knew what it was to weep. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. He wept in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew what it was to cry. Jesus knew human emotions. Jesus knew what it was to have his heart broken. You ever had yours broken? Well, if you haven't, you will, because it's a part of human life. This Bible says man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's not some men, that's all men. And Jesus knew what it was to have his heart broken. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad Jesus had a human body. And I'll tell you why. In the battles of life, in the sorrows of life, in the burdens of life, thank God every one of us, when we walk those hard places of life, can say, Jesus has been this way. Jesus knew what it was. I'm glad. I'm glad Jesus came, came where we are, and took upon himself a human body. So God was with us as a man. And as a man, Jesus said, He that has seen me hath seen the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. He came in the flesh. Now God with us in the second place as a Redeemer. You know, Jesus came into the world not just so we could have Christmas. Jesus came so we could be saved. Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the curse of the law. So Jesus came to redeem us, thank God. So God with us as a Redeemer. And I say to you this morning, my dear friends, if you have never personally seen That is, with the eye of faith. Jesus on the cross, 
robed in his blood and crowned with thorns, dying for you. You've missed the whole message of the Bible. God with us as a Redeemer. God with us in the Holy Spirit in the third place. You know, I thank God that he lives in me. Don't you? The Bible says, God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. That means buildings like this. We call this the house of God, but technically he doesn't dwell in buildings. God dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Paul said in his Corinthian letter, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. God with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. No, when I was a 19-year-old boy, and I was thinking about it this morning, I was lost and without God and without hope and without peace and without happiness. I never knew what real happiness was till I was 19 years old. And I'd never known until this hour if I hadn't accepted Jesus Christ into my life. 19 years old. That's nearly 30 years ago. 30 years ago since I was saved. And for 30 years, I've never known what it meant to be alone. I've never felt I was all alone. I've been thousands of miles away from home. I've been locked up in a room by myself. No one knew where I was, but I've never been alone. Never been alone for 30 years. I have been God-conscious for 30 years. I have known Jesus was with me for 30 years. At the hospital bed, the graveside, everywhere I've known Christ is with me. God with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, my friend, the sweetest companion man or woman could ever have is Jesus Christ in your life. I never will forget leading it. Dear old lady to the Lord, and 79 years old here in Pontiac. She would have been 80 her next birthday, she told me. And she told me a little bit about her life. I could take you right to the home, across the street from another church. She said, my husband died and I was 50 years old. Lived right here in this home. That had been 29 years. She said, I've been in this home 29 years, all alone. She said, five children I've raised, they're all grown, married, and gone. She said, it's long time in between their visits. And she said, I'm so lonely. And a 79-year-old woman, nearly 80 years of age, began to weep and listen. You don't think that touched my heart. You, you have another thought coming. She said, preacher, I've lived a lonely life, 29 years. I said, are you saved? She said, no. I said, would you like to be? She said, yes. In a few minutes, she was saved. We read the Bible to her, got on her knees and prayed at the little couch in her little humble little three or four room frame home, a mile or two from this church. Then she said, I'll never be alone again, she said. I said, that's right. The rest of your life, you are going to have a companion. The Lord Jesus is in your life. By the way, I said to that woman, 29 years all alone, nearly 80 years of age, born and raised right around Pontiac, lived right around here all her life. I said to her, 
Has anyone else ever told you about Jesus Christ? She thought for a moment and said, There was a man who delivers fuel oil that brought fuel oil here a few days ago and asked me where I went to church and asked me if I would mind if his pastor called on me. I said, Yes, I know who that man was. He's the one who asked me, gave me your name. She said, It's the only one who ever even spoke to me about church and said, You're the only one who ever told me about Jesus Christ and how to be saved. Listen, that's not Africa. That's, that's Pontiac. A woman nearly 80 years of age, and no one ever went to her with the gospel. Oh, listen, that's a violation of the last thing Jesus ever told the church to do. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. I thank God he is with us, never to leave us, nor forsake us. Never. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Thank God for his glorious, wonderful presence. Do you know him in your life as an ever-present friend? May God speak to our hearts this morning. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed and every Christian praying. Let's just pray for a moment and lift our hearts to the Lord. Our Father, we thank thee this morning for the wonderful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. As thy word says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's what it's all about. Oh, Father, we thank you for Jesus today. And we realize we're, we're, we're dependent upon thee for the bare breath that we breathe. You could do anything you wanted to with us. You could let us be killed before the sun goes down tonight. You can do anything you want to. We're entirely dependent upon thee. But our Father, we thank you that you love us. You want us to know and to have the best in life and to be happy. We pray that thou will speak to every heart, listening in the radio audience, sitting in this room this morning, that our hearts might be open to the blessed Son of God, to believe in him and to be saved. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.